Welcome to the Lazarus Project Podcast. This is episode one, a Mass Effect podcast discussing its characters, lore, theory and opinion. The podcast is recorded live in the Ploppy54 Gaming Discord server, so come join us there and listen to the raw, unedited version. All the details you need can be found at ploppy54gaming.com. My name's Tim, and joining me today is the original Dr. Chakwas, my very first medic in multiplayer, Craig. Good day. And founder of the Win Appreciation Society, Manning. Hello, everyone. How are y'all doing? Now, I need to be honest, my microphone does play up a little later in the podcast, so apologies for that in advance. But this is the first episode, so we'll get all the teething issues out of the way for next time. In this first episode, I thought we could introduce ourselves and tell the listeners how we got interested in Mass Effect. Craig, why don't you start us off? Um, yeah, I can start if, if you want me to. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to be perfectly honest and say it's a bit blurry. I believe I started around in the fandom 2015, roughly. So it was kind of like late to it. Um... I guess when the franchise started as well, it was like 2007 or something, the first game. And um, so basically I would have been like, I think technically too young to play it, but I I don't know, maybe I would have. Um, But basically I only came across it because my uncle, um, he lent me just a bunch of old Xbox 360 games and amongst them was Mass Effect 3. And, you know, I decided to play Mass Effect 3 and I didn't have any of the others. And it was the, it was the most engaging experience. I think, like for weirdly enough, I think sometimes I judge games by how old they look, which is stupid. But like Mass Effect Three looked looked decent enough for me to want to keep playing. I was like stupid back then. Um, <laughs> but like basically, because I didn't know how the game mechanics worked and everything, I didn't care to learn tutorials. I never did. Um, I didn't do any of the side missions or anything for the third game. And wound up getting the worst ending possible, where everyone in the galaxy dies, except I think Joker and the people on the Normandy live. The first exposure to it. And honestly, the very fact that I was so shocked at the ending was like, wow, I can't believe the game actually did that to me. (laughs) As someone who started with Mass Effect 3, did you find that you identified or related or whatever superlative you want to use with James at all because I know that's specifically why he was included in the game. I like everyone else, well not like everyone else but like other people I found didn't really like James I didn't really like James as much as everyone else anyway I I thought it was useful having him there to kind of ask questions in the beginning so I kind of learned more because obviously he asks questions about the Krogan and stuff to set all that up for other players so I found him useful but I don't know. I guess I related to him, but I didn't find him as interesting as the other races. I I really struggled with uh, with James. I found because he was he was brand new. I didn't want to take him out because I've already had that relationships with all the other characters, and I was really excited to see them again. What did you think of James, Manny? I actually kind of quite liked him. I don't know if it's just because like I'm a rather large person in real life too. I'm definitely not as built as he is, but I'm pretty big, and it's just. The fact that I think James was like, to me anyway, the perfect example of how Bioware can literally take a cliche, like, you know, big, stupid, dumb American with muscles, but actually rat him well enough that he's, I mean, yes, he's new and you only know him for like the one game. But even in that short time, I found 
that they did quite a lot of development with him, and he even has a fairly decent arc. I mean, he's certainly not my favorite character by a mile, but for being like a literal cliche, I, they could have gone far worse with him. There was a brief uh, comic story about him as well, wasn't there? I don't know if that came out after or before Mass Effect 3. Yeah, I, I read that, but I can't remember either when that came out. But yeah, his dad was not a nice person. <laughs> yeah, because I was just going to say, like, it would have been like, I think they they did like a great job with what they did have to set up a new character, because especially if the comic came out before, because they also had that um, animated film, didn't they? I still haven't seen it, but they've got that animated film where he's the main character, don't they? Yeah, that film's basically, when you talk to him in the game and he's talking, when you, he eventually comes up to the cabin and he's talking about how his mission went sideways and blah, 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 that movie is essentially just that mission on screen. I accidentally had that story spoiled for me then. It's a Paragon Lost, I think it's called, isn't it? Yes, Paragon Lost. And yeah, I'll keep I won't spoil anything. It's I mean it's it's not the greatest thing ever and you kinda don't need to see it, but if you're a big fan of the series, I'd definitely recommend watching it. They definitely yeah. made an effort with him though, didn't they? Especially compared to like I don't know about you guys, but like other humans seem to be like not as developed as him and like I don't know, he seems to have like a lot more backing him up with the comic and with the film. I've been yeah. playing with him a lot more actually, just this last playthrough that I did. Uh, he's actually quite funny. He's quite. He's, he's, if you spend some time with him, he's actually quite a good character. He's the kind of guy like I could very easily see myself, like you know, going to a sports bar on a Saturday to have some like beer and chicken wings and watch football. I mean, he's definitely more of like a jeans and t-shirt kind of guy, and not like a black tie, which I very much identify with. Basically, also didn't do him like entirely justice, really, did they? Because they cut certain content as well. I... I know that there's a mod that fixes a last conversation with him on Earth. I was not aware of that, or actually any cut content for him, so I'd have to check that out. Okay. Yeah, I, I did see something on YouTube where basically he talks a little bit more about, I think he says something about he found out what happened to his family in like the last conversation with him. So I'm a little bit older, and I've been playing, I think the best way to say it is, I'm a huge RPG player. Like I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons for like 30 years now. And like I've been, I was well aware of Bioware from like all their old D&D games like Baldur's Gate, Aswind Dale, the first Neverwinter Nats. And eventually I was at E3 one year and I just like, ooh, what's this? And like people were talking about this quote unquote Dungeons and Dragons and space game. And that like instantly had my attention because for whatever reason, and I still don't know, like, actual like hardcore role-playing games in space seem to be like super rare and then i saw the first teaser and i was like oh this is awesome so i got ended up getting the game day one on november 20th 2007 and like i just was hooked since just out of curiosity what was the what was the first ending you ended up with uh my first uh i ended up i was i was kind of i guess i would say 60 40 renegade i ended up I didn't have enough, or do you mean for the entire trilogy? I thought, or just Mass Effect One? Oh, I just mean like uh, the end of three, basically, or how who lived and who died. Oh, so my very first run, I picked Ashley over Caden on Vermeer, and uh, Rex died, but it wasn't because I did it. It was as I think, like I'm going way, way, way back, like 15 years now, but. 
I think what happened was I just took too long farting around trying to find like a peaceful thing when we were like at guns drawn and just I guess I took too long and actually just shot him. And I was a little distraught, but at the same time, I was like, well, if this guy's going to pull a gun on me just because I'm trying to do something, then maybe I don't want him around anyway. And I'm like, that's probably going to upset some people. Uh, Mass Effect 2, my first suicide mission, I remember this. I lost Garrus in the vents because I thought he would be a good tech person to send in. <laughs> he sent Garrus to the vents. <laughs> yeah, well, in Mass Effect 1, he's the second best tech person after Tally. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think who else... I lost, I know I lost Garrus, I forget how, but I know I lost Jacob too, and then I lost Grunt because I made him the second team leader. I forget how Jacob died, but I know he died, and then I lost Morden on the way out back to the Normandy. He just got overwhelmed, I guess, and then my first Mass Effect 3 ending, I picked Control because I just thought it made the most sense because after hearing all the information, I was like, well, wait a second. So if I picked the destroy ending, oh, and I guess it's worth noting that I saw, I couldn't make peace my first playthrough of Mass Effect 3, so I sided with the Geth, because I was like, wait a second, the core, I'm like, I love Tally, but the Corians are genocidal war criminals. So I sided with the Geth, and then, well, I'm not picking the destroy, because after all that, I'm not going to destroy the Geth. And then I don't know about the synthesis ending, because I'm like, that sounds cool on paper to me, but I'm betting there's a lot of people in the galaxy who'd be like right upset about that. So I was like, the control ending to me seems like as long as I trust my shepherd to not be a dick, it's basically, it just leaves everything as is. And then people can kind of like figure it out on their own, which to me, I think seemed like the right way to do it. You wonder actually, doesn't it? Cause it could go back to, I mean, obviously like they're not going to go into that much detail about the next Mass Effect game, but it would be interesting when if like, depending on your, characters origins like if they're one of those um do whatever it takes to get their job done kind of backstories it would be interesting if that somehow affected like what the reaper program was like yeah well i mean like i know it has no effect but my first ever run was as a ruthless spacer so yeah pretty much what you just said <laughs> <laughs> just like someone doesn't look both like someone doesn't use like a, a crossing when they're crossing the road or something <laughs> the reaper just comes along <laughs> To borrow a line from Raz al Ghul in Arrow, I'm not evil. I replace corruption with death, and the world is better off for it. Or in this case, the galaxy is better off for it. Jay Walker's beware. So I I used to play box standard kind of shooter, kind of adventure kind of games. First-person shooters, uh, third-person run-and-gun, that sort of thing until I stumbled across Deus Ex, and I found that my decisions in that game were actually affecting the story. And I didn't actually realise that that was a thing. I didn't realise that the games could actually change based on, on your decisions. So the moment I played that game, I was absolutely, I fell in love with it. And then from that point on, I was always then looking for RPG games that, that I could find to to replicate that, you know, the decision kind of making. Fell in love with uh, KOTOR, and then obviously Mass Effect was coming out. It was from the same guys that, you know, made uh, KOTOR. And that being Star Wars, absolutely loved it. So as soon as I'd seen Mass Effect was coming out, I was on it, I was following it uh, all the way through, reading the magazines, getting everything, every possible piece of information that I could find on it. And, yeah, when it came out, I must have played it, I don't know, 10, 
20 times, like just back to back to back to back. And then realizing you can, you've got Renegade, you've got Paragon, your different routes that you can take your, your Shepherd down. And yeah, absolutely. And, and it was just hooked from day one. And I still, to this day, look for, for, for decent RPGs that, that you can control the story. And that was another thing when the Mass Effect 2 and 3 came out and you could carry your, your progress over and the people that you met would remember you, remember your decisions and stuff. I thought that was absolutely amazing. I could, I'd never known a game beforehand that, that you could carry saves over. Um, each game that I'd ever, ever played was, it was kind of your standalone self-contained story in that. For example, um, The Last of Us doesn't carry your saves over it just assumes that you've met these people and you've, you've had these conversations and i suppose it, it's not like a, an rpg but it, it's not the same as like where mass effect whereas what you decided could have implications and uh, you know your story kind of changes the way that you were uh, you take your character down crazy to me you've been with it for the whole 15 years then basically because it's like the 15th 15 years since the first one came out now isn't it yeah it's it's surprising that it's been that long but yeah i was a wee college lad when the first one came out now i'm pushing 40 yeah i mean i guess that's just a, a testament to how good they are though i mean like even i mean if you throw the original 2007 mass effect on for like nostalgia's sake i mean it definitely looks a little bit dated but i mean it's still like an experience to play like if that makes it like you could give it to someone you know who's born just like 20 years ago and even though, yet again, it looks a little older and the combat's a little clunky, but I think even setting that aside, it can still stand on its own two legs. I mean, the remaster, the Legendary Edition was great, but I just think it shows how good of a game it is that people still play it. I think it also still takes like a certain degree of patience to play, though, because I've found that like depending on the person who's playing the first game for the first time, they'll all reach a certain place in the story or in the game where they found something that's like engaging or unique to them that they they either relate to or they just find interesting enough. Like um, I was I was getting my uh, sister to finally play the game for, like the first time in ages. The thing she found interesting was the conversations with Liara and the fact that she's monogendered and the fact that I don't know just the whole like mating ritual and that you don't actually have to have sex to have a kid. She found quite interesting. So it's just it's kind of interesting, kind of like seeing how different people find different hooks to get engaged in the story or in the game. No, I 100% agree. I have a really good friend I've known for like 25 years, and he's a huge gamer too, but he's like, for like the longest time, he'd always say that he would never want to play RPGs because to use his words, they quote, are talking simulators with no action. So eventually one time, about five years ago, five, six years, I got fed up and I forced him to play. I gave him my copy of Mass Effect 2, and then I was like, put them, started him at the suicide mission, and then gave him like the Cliff Notes 10 minute version of what was going on and who everyone was. And then he was like so enamored with it. He literally the next day went out and bought all the games and all the DLC. It's just cool how you can take people like my buddy who hated RPG. He had like 500 hours in every Call of Duty and every Battlefield, but hated RPGs. And now it's like one of his favorite games. That's how really ironic, but it's a little bit frustrating that there are people who kind of like start at the end to realize how good something is because then you don't have the the engagement or like the, the I guess the investment that kind of gets you to care about the characters in the final act, which is really ironic considering I said I played the third one first. The fact that he kind of knows where he's going to get to in the second game just kind of like, I don't know, doesn't it kind of like alleviate the tension a little bit? Like, you know, all these characters are going to get to that point. Like, um, 
I know there's a point in Mass Effect 2 when you first recruit him, when you think he's going to die or something, and it's like, that guy who you were talking about, like, he knows that Garrus is going to be fine, because he's going to get to the suicide mission. No, I mean, I get that, but I guess the other side of that coin, though, is that you can then have someone who just met these characters 10 minutes ago be invested and be like, oh my god, what do I do? I don't want anyone to die. <laughs> Tell you what, like, the first time I played Mass Effect 3, I actually didn't care about Tali at all, because I didn't have that kind of investment. Like, I accidentally got her killed because I was confused about the whole decision thing. I just thought, okay, I'm just picking the Geth because the Geth are good people. I didn't realize, I didn't think I fully understood what was going on. Yeah, the Quarians died. and I have an embarrassing confession, speaking of Tally. Like I said, my first time in the third game, I couldn't make peace either. I was more pragmatic, like I knew what was going on. I'm like, after the mission in the Geth server, I'm like, yeah, there's no way I'm, if I have to pick, there's no way I'm siding with the Quarians over the Geth. And then when Tally did her big, like long drawn out, like death scene with the music's like going in the background and you can see all the b- destroyed Quarian ships crashing down. And then she takes her mask off and like swan dives off the cliff. In my mind, all I could think of was like, bye Felicia. <laughs> Like, that's probably terrible to say, but I mean, it, it, it happened. And I'm like, well, but yeah, it's just like, I love Tally. I mean, like, don't get it wrong. I loved her, but it was just like, there was no way after seeing the Geth server mission that I could pick the Corians over the Geth if I couldn't make peace. There's the fact that like, after replaying it, though, you know what she's going to do if you pick, if you pick the Geth over the Corian, surely that factors in somehow because then you at least want to make peace for her sake. That's true. But having said that, I can proudly say that after 10 years and a little bit since it's been since Mass Effect 3 came out, to this day, it's taken some effort, but to this day, I have never seen what actually happens if you pick the Corians over the Geth. I'm assuming Shepard or Tally or someone kills Legion or the Geth VI, but I have never seen that cutscene and I never want to see that cutscene. It is a little bit heartbreaking. And if you've seen it, Tim. Yeah. Yeah, man. Shepard goes and shoots Legion. No, I think Legion actually makes like an effort to to kill you or to stop you as well because he, you know, wants his people to live and wants this opportunity and whatever. If your Shepard sides with genocidal war criminals, then that probably says more about your Shepard than Legion. <laughs> but to be fair, my very first playthrough, I ended up shooting Morden in the back. Well, that's just common sense. I mean, like Rex and Eve are great, but the Krog- the Krogan are still a race of eight hundred eight foot tall, eight hundred pound warmongers that breed like rabbits i mean like i don't think anyone would want that to get out of control well i do say that i still sided with the krogan my first place well actually i still do just because i do care about rex quite a bit and don't want him to die and it's yeah i see what you mean and just i don't know it's just we still don't see enough to to know what's going to happen we don't know enough about like what's gonna what what if the krogan are going to get out of control again you can you can make a good enough guess about it and sure it's probably likely to happen at some point. I think the thing that did it for me was having played through the first game and then the second game and then knowing that like, again, like I love Rex and Eve was super cool too, but knowing that Rex's own father and brother both tried to kill him and that especially in Mass Effect 2 where you actually get to go to Tachanka and the nicest thing, everyone in his own clan hates him. The nicest thing anyone in his whole clan says about him is the mechanic trying to fix the truck who says, well, I don't know about Rex, but he's he's the leader now. And if, if it doesn't work, then someone will kill him and then we'll see who has the next best plan. I mean, it's just, I don't see his reign lasting long. And like, I know Garrus makes a joke in the third game about how we should hire Rex a food taster. And I just, I mean, at some point, someone's going to kill him. He's survived to that point, but he's getting pretty old and someone's going to kill him. And then it's just like, all hell's going to break loose. 
Yeah, it's it's still nice to believe that they've they've at least learned or they find more meaning in their lives than just conquering the galaxy, though. Like, you'd at least want to see the good in them, even if all signs point to, you know. I 100% get that, and I want to too, but I think, like, it's very telling. Like, if you've ever had Rex die in Mass Effect 1 or Mass Effect 2, it's very telling that you can talk Morden or Paddock out of curing the genophage by, like, just look at Reeve. And, like, Rex isn't here, so, like, look at Reeve. This is what's going to happen. And then even Morden's like, yeah, you're probably right. Like, that you can talk him out of it just because one person's dead. I mean, that doesn't say much for the rest of the race. <laughs> I will say, to be honest, if if in my first playthrough, Reef was the one representing the Krogan, I probably wouldn't have killed the Genophage. And I think, too, it's also just to play devil's advocate, to be fair. I mean, like I know everyone, a very, 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 very large portion of people cure the Genophage. Like, I think Bioware held a poll right after the Legendary Edition came out, and I think 96% cured it. And I know a lot of people hate the Dalatras, and I know why they hate the Dalatras. But I'm just saying, if just again being devil's advocate, she is very justified in the position she has. If you think about it, though, is it still seems like I know you said that there's still like a decent amount of like Krogan children that live, but like the fact that they have so many and so many die, and the fact that to, to you have to make them think that they've killed the Genophage just kind of makes it harder. You know, like they believe that their children are going to live and. So many of them still die. I was just going to say, like, I get the whole, like, greater good mindset, but... I know, I was just going to say, not to be overly harsh, but, I mean, if you've ever read, like, all the Codex entries, when Krogan have kids, they, like, they'll have, like, a clutch of, like, a thousand at a time. And even if all of those a thousand are successfully born, I mean, they all inevitably kill and eat each other until the point where, like, only, what, 5, 10, 15, 20 live anyway. So, I mean, how's that really any different than what the Genophage was doing in the first place? I mean, it's not like you're, you cure the Genophage, but like 98% of the Krogan are still going to kill each other before they even get past the age of two. That's going to make a really good podcast, I think. Uh, we'll have to do a whole episode on the Genophage. Honestly, didn't know about that as well. The whole thing with the children, about like what they do, they do actually say in like the lore entries and stuff then. Well, I'm making, it's been a while since I've read the entire Codex and part of it is just me hypothesizing just based on what we know about the Krogan. But I do know that on average, they lay like a thousand eggs per clutch. And like, even if all a thousand were born, I'm just like the strictly by like, there's no way one mother is going to look after a thousand kids. They're all going to eat each other and, or die from lack of food or water or something like there's of the thousand. I mean, what would you, how maybe 20 is a low guess, but even if it, I mean, what would you say? How many, I mean, it's not exactly like Tachanka's a nice place. There's like worms and lizards like the size of dragons and dinosaurs. I mean, like, it's just such a small number would survive anyway that I don't really see the difference. Well, I suppose even one baby could make a difference to a mother, couldn't it? Because, you know, mothers just naturally care about their babies, don't they? No matter how many there are. No, I mean, that's fair. and But it's also, like, I mean, the Krogan, I mean, like, the Krogan females, I'm not saying they wouldn't care, because obviously Eve and, like, some of the stories Eve tells you when she's in the med bay in the third game are pretty like heart jerking but i mean it's still like at the end of the day they're still krogan and i mean like i know stereotypes are a bad thing but stereotypes also exist for a reason just 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 kind of to end it tim could you could you at least tell us like how you how yours ended did you shoot the kid (laughs) um well i couldn't at that point it was way before the um extended cut came out Always, I mean, I've only tried synthesis and uh, control just to see what happened. 
but I'm, I've literally always gone with destroy, mainly because and there was a whole people really got upset about the the ending. And again, I think we can do a whole podcast on the on the endings and and why people felt upset about them. But uh, but for me, Mass Effect One had one ending, and Mass Effect Two had one ending, and so for me, Mass Effect Three has one ending, and it to me it is destroy uh, for the basic reason that right at the very start when you you first meet sovereign shepherd stands there and says but you're nothing more than a machine and a machine can be broken so right from the very start shepherd was intent of stopping them wasn't joining with them uh wasn't going to be controlled control them it was you're a machine and taking it down and so to me the destroy is the ending of, of of mass effect and that's how i'll always play it um, Can I ask you one question, Tim? Sure. Does this unit have a soul? Uh, it always has a soul. The question is the answer. I mean, wait, you killed Edie? <laughs> <laughs> but she could, it was only her body that was destroyed. You can rebuild Edie. She'll have backups somewhere. Now, Edie was part Reaper. I don't think that you have backups for that. Yeah, but Shepard was part Reaper, and he still breathed, didn't he, at the end? I mean, that's another probably a topic for the ending, but I still am not 100% convinced that even if you get the 5,000 EMS to have Shepard quote-unquote breathe, that they still survive. I mean, all you literally see is a body with blood everywhere and fire, and then all of a sudden you see like a sharp intake of breath. I mean, like he could still, he or she could still be mortally wounded with their face blown off. But just, I mean, just because you see them take a breath doesn't necessarily mean anything. Be a little tricky with their face blown up, wouldn't it? I mean, like you can, you can. The human body can survive a lot. I mean, you can still, you can be mortally wounded and still breathe for a while. It would be a bit anticlimactic, though, if they just hinted that oh, Shepard might be alive, but it's like no, it's just <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't have to say. The end of every Bond film, after all the credits have run, rolled up, there's always one line that says James Bond will return. Probably should have put that in there that Shepard will return, and then. That disappears and just kidding, just rolls back up after it. No, but not even put just kidding. Just have it say literally just LOL JK. <laughs> Shepard will return in Avengers Endgame. So next time we'll do a character profile on Anderson. Message coming in. Patching it through. If you've got any questions for us, the email address is thelpcast at outlook.com. Feel free to drop us a line and we'll read them out here live on the podcast. And the same for any five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts as well. You'll get a shout-out here too. To follow us on our socials, you can go to Twitter and follow Lazarus Podcast. And if you'd like to follow Manning, you can find him on... I am at that Cerberus guy, all one thing, one word on Twitter. And most other platforms, Steam, Origin, pretty much everything. And if you'd like to find Craig, you can find him on... On Twitter, my at is Craig and his Mac, or profile name is Craig T. Bryant. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Ploppy54. And thank you very much for listening, and that's goodbye from me. And take care, y'all. See you in the next episode. It's nice, should go. I like the uh, I should go. (laughs)
I wish I had thought of that. <laughs> See, that's, that's another thing. Why did they even make Avengers Endgame? Because Thanos already won at the end of Infinity War. Endgame didn't need to exist. And why mm-hmm. Anderson is the worst person in the trilogy, and I don't understand why anyone likes him. And I intentionally skipped the last Renegade trigger every time so the elusive man kills him, and I don't have to listen to his really cliche and preachy, I'm proud of you speech. And I'm addicted to, ma- to romancing Tali. I mean, you could call it Anderson's happy hour, and I'd still be fine with it. The Win Appreciation Podcast, then, is it? Yes, the Win and, and Anderson <laughs> appreciate because they're the two greatest people ever. I mentioned Rhino wearing spandex. I am sovereign, and this station is mine. <laughs>